0: Today on podcast By the Bay, current assembly member for District 17 and also the chair of the Housing and Community
1: Development Committee for the State of California Assembly, David Chu. The topics that I've been proud to be engaged on is our housing. I chair the Assembly Housing Committee. Uh, In 2017, we moved forward a major package of 15 bills that really for the first time in many, many years uh, started to address the housing crisis in a number of different respects. Um, I also, as a former criminal prosecutor, have been very focused on public safety issues and in particular in the last couple of years trying to address uh, the crisis of untested rape kits sexual assault evidence kits that are languishing collecting dust in police crime labs not bringing justice to survivors and our community discussing many of the issues that are affecting us all
0: including housing transportation homelessness and also
1: income disparity I think in addition to the housing and transportation crisis, uh, the inequality crisis that we are experiencing, not just in the Bay Area, but throughout the state of California, is i think the looming and moral question of the day it's exemplified by homelessness it's exemplified by three families living in a home exemplified by the folks that are in three to four hour commutes it impacts every aspect of the lives of barrier residents who are not lucky enough to pull down six-figure salaries from some of the top tech companies in the bay area uh, and this is why i've been very focused particularly this year in thinking of how do we establish uh, a society uh, that lifts everybody up
0: all coming up on today's episode of podcast by the bay stay tuned podcast by the bay is brought to you by highway soul productions check us out at Highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with liberty realty liberty realty serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And now, another podcast by the bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre,
2: and this is Patrick.
0: And welcome to another episode of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us and we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends about our podcast. And so today we're going to continue our assembly member coverage. And today we actually have a very special guest, and that's California State Assembly member from District 17, and that's David Chu. And so not only is David the assembly member for District 17, he's also the chair of the Housing and Community Development Committee on the assembly so that's why we wanted to actually talk to david because david is actually the source he's actually the source of all the legislation that's coming out of the assembly from uh, the housing perspective which is a big discussion topic here on podcast by the bay big discussion topic here in the bay area overall And so we actually really wanted to talk to the source and talk about what's happening at the assembly uh, level when it comes to the legislation. And so David Chu is the source. So we definitely appreciate David for making the time to speak with Podcast by the Bay. And we thank his staff for making that happen. So, Patrick, you got to meet David. You went down there. You talked to him. Can you tell us a little bit about David and a little bit about the interview? Oh
2: yes, uh, David Chu um, is represents District Seventeen, as uh, Andre mentioned. That includes Chinatown, North Beach, the financial district, Fisherman's Wharf, and the Western Addition. Um, his he's the eldest child of the Hawke family, and they're uh, immigrants from Taiwan. Uh, Chu was born in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, and he grew up in Boston, Mass. He he attended Boston High College High School. Uh, where he received a, a, a degree from Harvard College and a master's degree in public administration from the Kennedy School of Government. And he has a, a Juris Doctor's degree in Harvard Law School. This is very similar to the pedigree of Senator Weiner. Uh, and actually, Senator Chu is in, located in the same building as Senator Weiner. So it was kind of ironic to be down there for the third time interviewing people. Um, David is a very enthusiastic, very go-getter. Um, he gave me a very, very warm welcome, uh, and he was very inquisitive about the questions. As Andre mentioned, he's uh, really a leader in the housing. Um, he's work, working with uh, Senator Weiner on some of the legislation that we talk about. Um, he, he, his background, he was in mayor of San Francisco for a day for um, when Gavin Newsom was sworn in as lieutenant governor. I kind of kidded him a little bit about that. Um and um he's he's been a go getter his first time that he ran for the uh, board of supervisors um uh, he's he raised a lot of money i think it was around $480,000 and uh he he won and uh, not by a substantial amount but uh he he made it to get through the the fence on there uh, he, he was a member of the board of supervisors for district 3 and he was there from uh, january 2009 to december 2014 um, we had an opportunity to talk not only about, uh, about housing, but we talked about homelessness uh, in the state of California, homeless in general um, around the country. Um, he's, he's, he's excited to represent the district. Um, I think he's a go-getter. Uh, in, he, in the state assembly, as Andre mentioned, he's on a lot of committees. I mean, the, the most important one that we're all talking about is housing. We also uh, were talking about um, transportation. Uh, he's somewhat of an agreement with what we need as a transit district or a much more efficient system than we presently have. As, as we mentioned, and he mentioned uh, that we're all acting independently and that our our uh, transportation doesn't uh, coincide with each other. Uh, and we talked about the Clipper card and we were pr- all proud about the Clipper card. And I'm even using the Clipper card now, and I think it's a wonderful thing. But it he's looking forward and I'm looking forward to seeing somehow how transportation gets connected much better. Um, and Chu announced his candidacy for the state assembly uh, district in 2013 so he's on his um, I think second or third term right now Um, he uh, when uh, he was on the board of supervisors Gavin Newsom was mayor and Ed Lee was vice mayor Uh, so that kind of brings back some history and as we all know uh, Ed Lee uh, passed away, unfortunately, uh, about a year ago now, maybe. So I'm I'm excited for you guys to listen to uh, David Chu to give your input. Um, I had an opportunity, as you know, to interview uh, Assemblyman Kevin Mullins, which is District 22. We talked about the same issues uh, that I talked with David about, um, and also those same issues, too. As you know, Senator Weiner has a new bill, Senate Bill 50, uh, which is incorporating... Um, more density housing, um, in the corridor transportation areas. Um, Andre and I on podcast by the Bay have been talking about the surplus land, uh, that's in the County and the unincorporated areas and seeing if we can engage that. Um, we, Andre and I are both excited that we heard Gavin nuisance. Our governor is embracing that idea of, of opening that land to, uh, to building affordable or density type of housing. Um, The carrot and the stick, the carrot and the stick, obviously, is is how are we going to get the cities uh, in surrounding counties uh, to build more housing? Um, And as our discussion is, it it costs a lot more money sometimes to, to build housing on the peninsula. Um, we talked about the disparity of incomes. Um, it's not only the uh, the lower economic status that is hurting; it's the middle class. We have a an erosion of the middle class because we have a booming society. We have a shortage of labor um, on in the Bay Area. We have a shortage of of contractors, plumbers, carpenters. Uh, electricians. And we're noticing that a lot of them are coming from out of state. So we've got some major issues. Um, I brought up to the uh, the subject of why are we not bringing trade schools back to our high schools? I'm hoping to see that uh, that the persuasion from Podcast by the Bay and our local elected officials that we're bringing that back. Um, Andre, I, I also want to say, and I'm looking forward to interviewing Senator Jerry Hill, uh, I hope shortly, um, I bumped into Jerry, and Jerry assured me that uh, he'd be shortly uh, willing to interview with us. So we're at podcast by the Bay. I um, want to thank Jerry Hill for being our senator. And why don't we go further and just let's listen to Senator or Assemblyman David Chu uh, from District 17.
0: Sounds good, Patrick. And so just a quick update on the district map. I'm looking at it right now. It really encompasses the entire eastern side of san francisco that's including noe valley the mission district Glen park all the way down to the Bayview, and even uh treasure island right there so that's just a little kind of a background on the actual uh, district uh, map and the other thing i wanted to point out is he is authoring a couple bills the ab10 uh which is the low income housing uh tax credit and also ab11 which is really about affordable housing and um you know he you know he wanted to talk about uh you know he, he he's he I think one of the things when you listen to the interview you 're going to really hear the essence of I think David is somebody who really gets it from the issue perspective, and he 's been there right he 's living the traffic he tells us a story about the traffic so anyways i want to i don 't want to hi, uh, give away the entire interview it 's a great interview. We definitely appreciate uh, assembly Member David Chu from District Seventeen and his staff for making this happen for us here at podcast by the Bay so with that. Uh, if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at Podcast By at gmail.com. Uh, you can always find us on Twitter, and that's at Podcast By The Bay as our Twitter handle, or at uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Podcast By The Bay. And remember, you can listen to us on any of our podcast sites 24 hours a day for free. That's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, whatever you get your podcast. you can listen to us for free. So with that, signing off, this is Andre
2: and this is patrick
0: and we'll catch you on the next time of podcast by the bay stay tuned
2: okay we're live welcome to podcast by the bay this is patrick and i have the honor of interviewing assemblyman david chu uh he's the 17th assembly district which covers chinatown north beach the financial district and fisherman's wharf welcome
1: All the way down to the Bayview.
2: All the way down to the Bayview. I'm a native San Franciscan, so it's an honor to be back in the city that I was born in. Uh, David has a very, very interesting background. I'm just going to give a few highlights. He was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, He was raised in Boston, Mass. Um, He also attended Boston College, and he's got an undergraduate in government. Is that correct?
1: Boston College High School, undergraduate in government. Yes.
2: Okay, excellent. And a law degree from Harvard. And also a degree in public uh, administration or public uh, leadership too. Public policy, yeah. Public policy. Um, he migrated to the Bay Area in uh, 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome. you your, your family uh, last uh, family uh, from Taiwan, I think, originally immigrated. Um, are your parents out here with you here?
1: Uh, I was the first to move out here uh, 22 plus years ago, and. Then a brother of mine moved to L.A., another brother moved to Portland, and finally in the last couple of years, my parents uh, sold the family home and came out to uh, now San Mateo County.
2: Well, congratulations on that. David is uh, uh, the oldest in his family, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, very much driven. I mean, he's, he's uh, an individual, I think the he was on the board of supervisors, and he was on uh, I think you were District 3, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and you served from 2007?
1: I served for six years from 2008 uh, to 2014.
2: Well, congratulations. And I know you had, when uh, Gavin Newsom became lieutenant governor, you served for a short period of time as mayor of San Francisco, and that's an honor.
0: I think I was acting
1: mayor.
2: You were acting mayor for a few days. uh, (laughs) What did you get out of that acting mayor? Was it worth it?
1: Uh, You know, it's always an honor to represent San Francisco, uh, and it was during a time of transition for the city. But uh, uh, I love representing uh, one of the best cities in the world.
2: Well, one of my uh, co-anchors, Andre, had an opportunity to uh, see some of your background and was very intrigued on your stances on housing and stuff. One of the things that I was very impressed with is in your first year in the assembly, you had approximately 34 bills that were signed by the governor. Is there any of those bills right now that you'd like to kind of highlight that kind of started your career um, as becoming a really good legislator?
1: Well, I. Th- I- just want to say, I probably have gotten 12 to 14 bills a year, so that 34 number was probably over a couple of years, but. Um you know, I've now, this is my fifth year in the legislature, and the legislature is very different from local government uh, in that you have a lot more people. So I used to serve with 10 colleagues in the Board of Supervisors. I now serve with 119 in the legislature representing uh, large districts, uh, half a million for assembly members, million for senators. Um, I think that the topics that I've been proud to be engaged on is our housing. I chair the Assembly Housing Committee. Uh, In 2017, we moved forward a major package of 15 bills that really, for the first time in many, many years, uh, started to address the housing crisis in a number of different respects. Um, I also, as a former criminal prosecutor, have been very focused on public safety issues, and in particular in the last couple of years, trying to address uh, the crisis of untested rape kits, sexual assault evidence kits that are languishing, collecting dust in police crime labs, not bringing justice to survivors and our community. Um, as a son of immigrants, uh, I've been very focused on immigration Issues and so every year I've been honored that our governor has signed a couple of my pro immigrant bills. Uh, but uh, in the legislature, we work on the issues of the day.
2: And well, I want to fun. congratulate you too because you met your love of your life in, uh, in the Bay Area, and that's Candace. Candace mm-hmm. is also a mm-hmm. third generation San Franciscan. She is. Um, She's also an attorney, if I'm not mistaken, and she's an advocate for uh, especially refugees, especially people that uh, need some documentation and uh, are living for that American dream, so to speak, Mm -hmm. just like you did in your family, too, when they migrated from Taiwan. So congratulations on that. Thank you. one of the key things in the Bay Area, as you know, you're. Uh, I, I interviewed Kevin Mullins, uh, Assemblyman Mullins, and he's in his last year term. You're, you, if, if I'm not mistaken, you have a, uh, another two terms, right? Is that correct?
1: Uh, if uh, voters willing, I'm starting my third term, and I have potentially another three, so... Uh, Mr. Mullen, who's one of my favorite colleagues in the legislature, uh, he has two more terms after this if he so chooses and the voters uh, would agree with that. Um, but uh, we're in what's known as twelve-year term, the 12-year term era. It used to be in the legislature uh, you had six years total in the state assembly and the, the joke was uh, it took two years to find the bathroom, it took two years to start legislating and then two years to figure out what we were going to do next. With 12-year terms, there's a lot more of a luxury for policymakers to really dive deep into issues, become experts, uh, able to develop longer-term relationships with other policymakers to get bigger challenges addressed. And uh, I've... Uh, really been honored to be part of the first generation of 12-year, of of legislators in this 12-year era. And uh, I think what you're seeing is a lot more focus on details, a lot more diving into the policy details, uh, people willing to not just legislate for short-term political reasons, but to address the long-term problems.
2: Okay. Well, we all kind of, uh, San Mateo County or Santa Clara County, I'm pretty much the Bay Area all suffer some of the same challenges right now. One of the major challenges we have is housing. Senator Weiner, as you know, had a proposal 827 uh, Senate bill, and of course that kind of went down to defeat. Uh, and as interviewing different officials, I interviewed about maybe 16 mayors on the peninsula, they were all concerned about the control the state was taking over with the 827. Um, there's a new bill, which is Senate Bill um, 50. What, what What's your position on the Senate Bill 50 um, as far as that? I know I was talking to Assemblyman Kevin, and he's still kind of out on it. He's not completely sure what party agrees or what party doesn't agree with. So I was just wondering where how do you stand on Senate Bill 50?
1: I think Senator Weiner has uh, has started a very important and necessary conversation of how we address uh, the housing and traffic congestion crises that we're facing in the Bay Area. Uh, his proposal, as embodied in his bill last year and in uh, and, and his new bill, is really trying to think about how do we build housing as quickly as possible around major transit hubs and transit centers. And I completely agree with him on on his goal. Uh, I think he has taken significant feedback from his bill last year, SBA 27, which he has well incorporated into SB 50. Uh, I I do think we're going to have a robust discussion about this. I look forward to that. I think we need to have legislation in this area. Of course, the devil's always in the details, but I know Senator Wiener is committed to to addressing concerns as we go through the process. I do want to say something about local control, which is, as a former local elected official, uh, local control is important, but the reason we have state legislators is there are issues that rise to state-level importance. So, for example, we don't have local control when it comes to public safety. Uh, We don't pass individual local criminal laws to address the, the crimes that occur. We don't have local laws when it comes to public health or public emergencies. These are statewide concerns. And what we have seen in recent years is the housing crisis has got so intense And local jurisdictions have been unable to solve it. The homelessness crisis has gotten so intense. The traffic and congestion crises have gotten so intense that... Uh, at, at, at some point, the state has to take responsibility for moving forward policies that work with respect to what local governments do. Uh, but when local governments are not building the housing they need, when they're unable to invest in the transportation or transit infrastructure that we need, the state has to engage, has to step in. Um, and you know, when you're talking about people dying on the streets, uh, when it comes to homelessness, that's a public health issue. That is a public safety issue, and the state has a extremely legitimate role. That, and frankly, we are expected by our constituents to solve these problems. Well,
2: I, I come with a background as a forty-year real estate broker, um, and so I know the the passion for housing in, in the disparity. Um, one of the things that we what happened in two thousand and eight, when we had a recession in the state of California, uh, the state pulled back our redevelopment mm-hmm. money. Um, I come happen to be from a town called Foster City, which is one of the first planned cities in the United States. We've met our housing requirement. We we do twenty percent affordable housing. Um, of course, that's a big word using the word affordable because there's different definitions on it. One of my one of my concerns, um, and uh, and I addressed this with Senator Weiner twice, is that there's a proposal or or an idea that we need three point five million housing units in the state of California. One I'm not sure is that workforce housing, it is below market housing, affordable housing. And the only thing that I could probably say that Senator Weiner uh, kind of made a very nice comment and says, well, it's supply and demand and whatever happens, happens.
1: So the 3.5 million number, uh, has not. it's not a proposal, it's a number that economists and uh and and individuals who have been looking at the housing market believe is the amount of housing that we need over the next 8 to 10 years to stabilize the skyrocketing housing market so everyone in the Bay Area and California is familiar with the fact that uh, we have the highest rents in the country, the highest home cri- uh, prices, uh, the inflation rates of, of, of home prices has been skyrocketing. And and that has been driven largely because we have not been building housing and we haven't been building housing at all levels of affordability from low income affordable housing to housing for our middle class to market rate housing. Uh, we have been woefully behind. And so the three and a half million figures is the figure that multiple uh, economists and others have estimated as what is needed to stabilize the the housing market. Um, And so in order to get there, we're going to have to do a lot of different things that we haven't done before. But I think what we all understand is the status quo doesn't work when you walk out the street and you see uh, in my city and around the bay thousands of people who are living in tents, During the rainy season, uh, when you see people who have to drive two or three hours a day to work in their jobs in high cost job centers, when you see absolute traffic congestion on our roads, and when you see entire generations of Bay Area and Californians moving out of our state because they can't afford to live here, uh, we've got to do something about it.
2: Well, you know, I, earlier in your discussion on the housing, we, we talked about building near the corridor transportation areas, near your BART, your train, your Cal trains. One of the things that we don't have in the state is an actual study showing that people do take public transportation, uh, and that they do. One of the things that I'm noticing is that when you build near the corridor transportation, you seem to follow some, some of the similar rules with meaning building two-car garages or building parking. So I would think that it would behoove the, um, the bill, Senate Bill 50, if that has something incorporated, if we're going to, and Senator Wiener's bill is um, actually trying to build near those corridor transportation areas, which I'm excited about. Um, but we don't have any, any actual showing that the people that we build those places for, and then if we're trying to encourage them to take public transportation, why are we building Two-car garages, and following the same same procedure that we would follow in a normal residential
1: neighborhood. I think the demand for uh, uh, I, I think a demand for housing close to transit is very clear. Everyone, if you if you get on a BART or a Caltrain, uh, you see it every day. Just how many people are on those who want to avoid uh, being stuck in their cars. Uh, driving on the 101 or the 280. I think the demand is there. And I think that there are a number of cities that are planning appropriately for that, that are eliminating so-called parking minimums that used to be required, that every development had to accommodate uh, uh, projected two cars per household. Those estimates are changing, and I think that is entirely appropriate. Uh, I had a bill that Governor Brown signed last year to move forward this idea of transit-oriented development. It was a very simple proposal. BART owns several hundred acres of land around several dozen BART stations and there have been several dozen cities that have refused to allow BART to develop its own land to build housing and mixed-use retail on top of BART stations. My proposal actually didn't prescribe whether parking should be part of that or not. We left it up to cities uh, and BART to figure out. But the idea that we could build tens of thousands of new housing units on top of a BART station so that people would be able to just roll out of bed into a BART station over to their job to visit their friends, that would be a no-brainer. we were literally talking about a couple hundred acres, uh, which would have resulted in tens of thousands of housing units. The bill was strenuously opposed by some individuals uh, and, uh, and, and NIMBY forces, uh, people who say, yeah, we should build more housing, but not in my backyard, not next to me. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get that through the legislature. I want to commend my colleague Tim Grayson uh, from the East Bay and others who helped us move that forward. Um, But this is the beginning of an important conversation because unless we want to continue to see skyrocketing prices, unless we want to have a Bay Area that is only populated by very wealthy individuals, if we want to see companies starting to refuse to come here because it's just too expensive for their workforce, unless we want people uh, our teachers, our firefighters, our cops to drive three hours a day to get to work—we've got to build more housing.
2: Well, you know, I was excited on uh, Gavin, uh, our new governor Gavin Newsom's uh, proposal. A podcast by the Bay. We've been discussing many issues with the housing over the last year and a half, and we're fully aware that, as you are, that forty to fifty percent of the cost is the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, governor Newsom is looking at the surplus land in the state of California as a possibility for new development for affordable housing. And I think pretty much most of that land is near the unincorporated areas and in the transit area. So I am excited to see that. Um, One of the things that's kind of come up in the news um, is the old carrot and the stick comment that the um, governor is talking about taking away state money to improve roads if we don't build housing. Uh, Do you have an opinion on that?
1: I think it's a great idea and one whose time has come. Um, As the state is making decisions about how to spend billions of dollars of transportation funding around the state, Um, and if you have two cities, one city striving mightily to build more housing and uh, and address the housing crisis, another city that says we don't have a housing crisis head in the sand – Um, I think it makes sense to provide the carrot of transportation funding to the first city. Um, We have cities in the Bay Area, and I will single out a few just for discussion. Uh, The city of Brisbane, where a couple years ago when there was a proposal to build uh, thousands of units of new housing and Commercial development for thousands of new jobs. The former mayor of Brisbane said, We'll take the jobs and our workers can live in San Francisco. In Cupertino, where you saw the new gleaming Apple campus, very excited for that economic development, um, thousands of new workers coming to live in Cupertino. And that same year, the mayor of Cupertino says, We don't have a housing challenge. The problem that we've seen recently is for every Six or seven jobs that are created in the Bay Area over the last half a dozen years, we've only created one housing unit. That has to change. And I think what Governor Newsom has done, uh, providing the carrot of transportation funding to those cities that build, is the right one.
2: Okay. Um, one of the, the bigger problems that's even bigger than the housing, at least in um, my opinion, and the, some of the listeners and podcasts, as well as some of the mayors that I've interviewed in the peninsula, is transportation. One of the things that we notice, uh, which is clear with the uh, San Mateo County uh, in Santa Clara, we're all passionate about putting money into the infrastructure. But the problem we really realize is there is no really transit district. In other words, the... I, I took public transportation here from, um, and, and I, I took it from Daly City into here. But there's the only thing we can claim that we have is a clipper card. Mm-hmm. So all the your BART, your Caltrans, uh, your Samtrams are fighting for the same federal and tax dollar, uh, which is basic, based on ridership. So it, it appears that we have a broken system. Um, and it's not coordinated. I I would encourage you to listen to um, a 18-year council member in Woodside, Dave Tanner. Dave Tanner, as you know the Tamforan Shopping Center eventually will be leveled. He had a proposal um, of a high-speed rail. uh, That high-speed rail would hook to 380 and the the high-speed rail would basically cover those cities where the predominant amount of traffic are coming in. Um, as a realtor, um, and with 40 years of experience, I see that housing is a must, um, but I also see that we need to direct the housing, whether it's workforce housing. Um, a lot of the people, that are, or a good majority of the traffic that comes into the Bay Area probably is within a 50 square mile radius. Okay, Pretty much most of those people, unless we really build low housing or workforce housing i think we need to distinguish between the, the word um affordable and, and low cost housing low cost housing would be subsidized by the federal and state workforce housing i'll show you a project in in foster city we we're talking about where the city is a partnership with the developer okay and that we're going to get so many units the Ceres regis project we're going to have so many units which is let's say it's 12 or 14 units which will be designed either for teachers or uh, emergency provide service. How can we reach out with the cities and help? Each city is a little bit different.
1: Well, I think you've uh, you've put your finger on something. I would agree, which is next to housing, our transportation and congestion crisis has reached uh, a, a, an epic point. And uh, as a region, we have to grapple with this. Uh, The fact that we have 27 transit agencies around the bay that do not create a seamless transportation experience is a problem. Uh, When I served as a president of the Board of Supervisors, I was a big proponent of the Clipper card as an idea to to have one card to rule them all and to to try to bring those transit agencies to work better together. But the experience is is, is not good. You don't have schedules that uh, work together. When you cross City or county jurisdictions You're shifting agencies It's very confusing And as a result People throw their hands up in the air Get back into their car As they're sitting alone Stuck in traffic on the 101 or the 280 During rush hour and that has to change. Um, I think we need to have a regional conversation about what it means for us to really invest in transit and transportation. Uh, this past year, I worked very closely with, with Kevin Mullen uh, and, uh, and other colleagues around the Bay to pass Regional Measure 3 on the June 2018 ballot, which will mean a couple billion dollars more money to invest in congestion management and public transportation. But it's only the beginning. And uh, we've got to do more. Uh, There have been other regions, Los Angeles and the Northwest, that have devoted mega transportation measures to really move to a different order of magnitude our public investment and what it means to invest in transportation and and transit. Uh, I'll mention one thing I've been doing on the transit area that's been a passion of mine, which is um, really trying to expand our water transit system. So it used to be before uh, the bridges were built in the bay, that people would be transported across the bay on ferries and and water transit and then the car culture came the bridges came and that dipped but what we've seen in the last half a dozen years is a resurgence in the demand for the interest in water transit, we've seen almost a 75% increase in the last couple of years of the number of people who want to get around the bay on ferries. And with Regional Measure 3, um, I champion with some of my colleagues doubling the ferry infrastructure, the number of ferry terminals, the frequency of ferry trips so that people have another uh, efficient way of getting around town that's also incredibly enjoyable. This is These are all parts of a longer term conversation of how do we create a regional transit Transportation system that's seamless, that's reliable, that gets people out of their cars, eliminating greenhouse gas emissions, and uh, and building the kind of society that we want to have here in the Bay Area. Well,
2: we're kind of excited down in the peninsula, as you know. A lot of the new buzzword is hydroplane boats. Mm-hmm. Um, boats that you don't need to do all that dredging and work with the BCD. So, we're kind of excited. I know Redwood City, um, all the way probably up to South San Francisco, where they're kind of with the Bay Area council they're trying to all talk about it and engage that
1: discussion I've been that you're working very about. closely with all those agencies and entities to do that and uh, you mentioned my wife earlier, uh, she has a two and a half, three hour commute every day because she works with refugee foster care kids in San Jose from San Francisco, so she has to commute every single day and uh, and you multiply that by a couple million Bay Area residents and it is not pretty. We, we've got to well, do things differently. Well, dovetailing
2: into that, and I know this is another one of your passions, um, if we take a look at the infrastructure, obviously we're not dealing with the infrastructure. Um, um basic our uh, our when we look at our environmental impact reports they're ten years old um obviously in the bay area they where they base their environmental impact reports is on the census so the census bureau is our barometer or guide so to speak what um with all the in, uh, need for housing uh, which is going to take take some a uh, uh, big challenge for cities and for the state and the county how can we uh Anchor doing something with the infrastructure. We're, we're dealing with uh, pipes, uh, with the catastrophes we're having with PG&E, the sewers and all that stuff like that. Is going to be a big, big, big problem or awakening for most uh, surrounding cities and counties. How can we address that at the same time?
1: Infrastructure is probably, unfortunately, the least sexy part of government. Uh, policymakers, politicians, like to roll out the new hot idea, um, and infrastructure is what lies behind this. What 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 lies beneath the surface? Uh, what what is behind the walls. And uh, and it's not what people focus on investing, but we have a lot of crumbling infrastructure, whether it be our transportation system, our roads, our public buildings, our hospitals, our police headquarters, uh, the sewer system, uh, the water system. Um, and so as government needs to grapple with this better and needs to come to terms with it. In San Francisco, when I was Uh, when I was in local government, I served on our city's capital planning committee. And what that meant was we were constantly trying to evaluate the state of our infrastructure when we had to repair things and and create a rational schedule to repair different parts of our city's infrastructure. Uh, Because oftentimes, if you repair it, like anything, if you repair your car on a regular basis, you can keep it running for a long time. But if you don't, ever take it to the mechanic uh, for 10 years, at some point, it's just going to collapse and you won't be able to do something. And that is uh, probably a pretty good analogy for the challenges we have around infrastructure. We've got to focus on infrastructure more regularly. We have to make investments when they're due. And we need to explain to the public when we have to do it so that our sewer system doesn't fall apart, our electrical system doesn't fall apart, our uh, our water system doesn't fall apart, our public health system doesn't fall apart.
2: Why don't you uh, you mentioned earlier about regional measure 3 we were honored to podcast by the bay to interview Carl Carl Garnino on mm-hmm. the uh, regional measure why don't you let your your uh Residents and people in your Assembly District, uh, explain the re- Regional Measure 3 and what it's going to do for the Bay Area.
1: Yeah, so Regional Measure 3 was a measure we placed on the ballot in June of 2018, so just seven months ago, which the voters approved. Um, uh, it's a regional measure in that the, it needed to be approved by all of the nine counties in the Bay Area region to allow for an increase in bridge tolls to pay for congestion management work and transit investments um, in the Bay Area. Um, Because of the fact that we had stopped investing in infrastructure and transit and transportation, our road conditions as well as the the quality and lack of investment in public transit has had a really bad impact. And so I was really heartened that regional measure three passed Um, We have asked voters about once every decade to pass a regional measure to do exactly this. So this is the third time that Bay Area voters have successfully invested in congestion management uh, funding. Um, And this is a sort of responsible policymaking that we need to continue to do in the Bay Area. Well, the major
2: thing in uh, transportation is getting people out of their cars. Uh, The biggest abuse we still have is the single driver. Uh, Google, Facebook, uh, and uh, Gileads and probably a lot of them have been engaging in with the uh, limousine service or bus service for the people. But the unfortunate thing we're hearing, because we can't see always through those buses, is that the buses are half filled. So how do we engage? Uh, we've got a couple of generations of, of young people that are basically trying to engage and take public transportation or take a um, take a van a pool van in uh, into work. So how do you how do you think we can get that message out in a different way? I think improving the infrastructure is important, but the main thing is how do we get the, how, what's the incentive to get somebody out of their car if you have a transit system
1: that doesn't work flawlessly? Well, I think you already answered your great question with how you asked the question, which is the reason people are not getting out of their cars is transit is not reliable. Uh, People can't rely to get from point A at home to point B at work and then back over to their house or to wherever they need to go in any reliable way because of the inefficiencies we have in the transit system and the fact that the system is not as integrated and as seamless as it needs to be. Um, If we had a perfect, flawless transit system, we would not need the commuter shuttles that the innovation companies in the South Bay and Silicon Valley need to transport workers from places like San Francisco and Oakland and San Jose to the Google, LinkedIn, or, or Apple campuses. Um, now, I do profoundly hope that we figure out how to fill up all of those buses, but every bus that takes more than a few people is an awful lot better than an individual driving in his or her car stuck bumper to bumper. Uh, we know that. Uh, and, and, and this is why I have been supportive of of the commuter shuttle experience, but it cannot come at the cost of us investing in public transit. My profound hope is that uh, the Bay Area continues to invest enough in transit so we build a world-class transportation system and obviate the need for these commuter shuttles in the future. That is the objective. Uh, We've still got a long ways to go, But if you go to other great cities around the world and great regions around the world, uh, in Asia, in Europe, et cetera, you will find major regions that are similarly sized to the Bay Area where people get around seamlessly on transit. And and that's what we need to aspire to.
2: Well, I think we have to find that model and somehow develop that out here in the Bay Area Mm -hmm. pretty pretty rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the benefits that uh, some of the uh, young... um, entrepreneurs have is working for Apple, Google, or Facebook. Uh, a lot of them have their, their meals paid for, some of them have their transportation paid for, some of them have their childcare paid for them too. How can we uh, work something with the disparity of incomes you have on the peninsula? I live in San Mateo County. Uh, you can have a family of three uh, making 120000 and they fit into a, kind of like a, not poverty, but, um, but a a need for some type of assistance. How can we uh, neutralize the uh, disparities that we're seeing in incomes in the Bay Area?
1: I think in addition to the housing and transportation crisis, uh, the inequality crisis that we are experiencing, not just in the Bay Area, but throughout the state of California, is I think the looming and moral question of the day. It's exemplified by homelessness, it's exemplified by three families living in a home, exemplified by the folks that are in three to four hour commutes. It impacts every aspect of the lives of barrier residents who are not lucky enough to pull down six figure salaries from some of the top tech companies in the Bay Area. Uh, and this is why I've been very focused, particularly this year, in thinking of how do we establish uh, a society Uh, That lifts everybody up. Um, So I have been working with my colleagues to push the idea that we ought to provide universal child care. I'm a parent of a young child, and child care nursery school is very expensive. And uh, it shouldn't just be because you get to work for Google or Apple that you can afford daycare and child care. Uh, I've also been a major proponent at the state level for free community college. Uh, We've been able to provide free schooling for people from kindergarten to grade 12 in San Francisco. We pioneered the idea of free community college for the two years. Um, A few years ago, we were able to get free community college for first-year full-time students. We need to expand this to all Californians. Healthcare. Healthcare remains a major, major expense for people if you are unlucky enough to require uh, major health care um oftentimes you're victimized by skyrocketing health care costs and uh, and I think that the fifth largest economy in the world, which is the state of California, we should be able to achieve universal health care giving everyone in our community the opportunity to have access to to health care uh, so that it's not just when the, the emergency hits but they can go for preventive work and, and others um, but all these things healthcare, care, child care, education, these are things that we should have in a in a in a in a society that has had the economic successes of the Bay Area and of California.
2: David, in behalf of Podcast by the Bay, um, I want to congratulate you for your duty and and representing the Assembly District Seventeen. You've done an outstanding job. We appreciate everything you've done for the people, by the people, and for the people. David, we thank you. By Podcast by the Bay, thanks, thanks for again. having me.
0: That was a beautiful rendition of the song entitled Somewhere in the Hills, also known as Favela, and that was performed by Leo DeVito, and you can find out more about Leo on the Highway Soul music page at com. So I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at dot com. you can find us on Twitter at podcastbythebay as our handle. And also on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the bay. All right, until next time, keep on rocking and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by. Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com, and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com. Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcast by the Bay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcast by the bay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.